As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Fuck you, NHL refs. Fuck you. We're still alive. 2-2. Carter fucking Verhage. It's TJ and Alex. Jacob is playing Dungeons and Dragons. Fuck you, NHL refs. Fuck you. Three goals you've given the Caps this year, and it's still 2-2. Fuck you. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, potential special guest coming up. Uh, we'll announce that when it happens. But uh, yeah, so it, it's it's hard to process the emotions that are going through my head right now. However, I think I'd feel less pumped up if I went skydiving off of the Grand Canyon. So that that's I think a, that's base jumping. Yeah, base jumping. I, I guess it would be. You're right. You're right. But oh, my God, like. The, the second period, third period, overtime, what a roller coaster. Uh, the, the, it's impossible for me to give you just like straightforward analysis right now. Let, let's, just, let's just speak from the heart. Emotionally, do you want to start with the good or the bad? Let's and by the bad, I mean the way. negative emotions. Okay. The NHL has to put in a review system for penalties on goals. It has to happen. Like this postseason has showed clearly that you have to be able to review penalties that happened before goals. Look, I'm not in favor of everything in the world being reviewable. I'm not in favor of there being a hundred challenges every game, but there's no doubt in my mind that Andrew Burnett challenges that goal. If he has the ability to for, you know, illegal contact to the head that happened five seconds before it and the goal gets overturned. If this is a simple, this is a simple rule you can put in. It's already happening in basketball. It's already happening in soccer. And it's clearly, it clearly has to be put in. Like, there's no excuse at this point. Like, every single one of you should be petitioning the NHL, petitioning whoever you can. Penalties have to be reviewable on goals. They just have to. Yeah, it's oh an absolute God. And our guest is here, Ian Margo from WPLG Channel 10. Oh, boy. We're ranting about the the no call on TJ Oshi right now. Keep going. I'm sorry for interrupting, but no, but oh like, boy. like I'm sorry. I said it after game one with the no call on the icing. Game three, they got one with the bullshit holding the stick on Uyghur. And then tonight, are you fucking kidding me? I'm less happy about the win and more ha- and like more pissed off that the Panthers just keep getting fucked by the NHL and nothing is being done. My theory is that they won the game. Because the hockey gods knew right after that moment that they deserved to. <laughs> I don't think. Look, and I want to start by saying this. TJ Oshi, not a dirty player. No. Let me start by saying play. not a dirt. Yes, it's a dirty play. Did he intend to do it? I, I doubt no. it. Again, no. not a dirty player. But here's the thing. But he, intended, hit. he intended to hit him high, which is a dirty play. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I didn't see it, but I heard them talking between the third and NOT talking about how he may have left his skates. I didn't look when it's they irrelevant. were showing that you replay. You cannot blindside hit anyone anymore. You cannot so, come from the blindside anymore. And also there's direct contact to the head and it's the initial point of contact with the shoulder. So the, there you go. The, the NHL player safety is going to look at this. Oh, she's going to get fined, potentially suspended. I think it's that one... Was sale- if that, was, if that was switched, if Sam Bennett laid that hit on T.J. Oshi, he's already, he's already what, Thrown five out of in a game? game? Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, no, no. Easily. But because it was T.J. Oshi on Sam Bennett, and because Sam Bennett has the reputation he has, nothing. And it leads to a goal that for about 10 minutes looked like it was going to be the game-winning goal. It's not okay. And the NHL needs to figure some, 
something out, whether it is what you're talking about, Alex, of being able to review that or something. Well, that was TJ. It has to happen. Uh, yeah. I, when I came in that you, you were saying it when I, when I, came yeah, in, yeah. So. I mean, the, the thing is that like, look, I, I can buy, maybe Alex will disagree with me. I can buy that the refs missed it, but that's not good enough anymore. There are so many cameras in the arena and it can, they can easily tell that is a penalty without a shadow of a doubt. There doesn't have to be this level of uncertainty about every single call. And I mean, we already have it. We have the, the, the inches on the offside calls. We have the goaltender interference calls that nobody understands. And you don't think that we can have this? Like, it's a clear hit to the head. It's clear. And Oshie it's did a, leave his feet. He did, it's did a leave blind, his feet. It was a blindside hit to the head. Like, check, it, was like, it checks all the boxes. How do you miss this? How do you miss it? You shouldn't need review. They won the game. They tied the series. They beat the Caps and the refs in one night. Yeah, but they've had to play against the Caps and the refs in three of the four fucking games in this series, I, Ian. I like, agree. It's absurd at this point. So let, let's t- actually start talk, talking about that. Best game of the series by far. They Easily. played their best game of the series by far. They played their best two periods of the series by far. The first was good. The second and third were their best of the, well, of the I, I disagree. I think the first and second were their best. The third, they only had like, before when it was one, one, they only had like three shots. Like before the, the, the Kuznetsov goal, there was like four combined shots in that period. So I wouldn't but call that. A the good Capitals period. only had like one. No, I know. Correct. but like, And that's, that's what I'm talking about because this was by far their best in terms of block shots, in terms of clearing out the garbage. This was their best defensive effort. Sherratt literally stopped the goal. I mean, from that standpoint, this was their best game beginning to end, not even close. Uh, and there should not have been a second ball. Yeah, it's it's just all serious with this shit. Like, it's all serious. Like, we haven't even talked about the fucking Phantom 5-on-3. They were just gifted. Like, you know, the, 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 the tripping call on Bob when he was in the crease making a save. Yeah, well... I mean, let, let, let me let me backtrack because TJ, you and I got into a disagreement on, on Twitter early, how I was saying that was a hook on the Barkov scoring chance early where he couldn't get the shot off because he had a stick wrapped around his arm. And you were like, oh, that's a good tie up. And then, you know, Montour get, does an even better job and has all stick. And he goes to the box for a play that doesn't, a, a penalty that doesn't impact the play at all. Oh, no way. I saw that and. Look, it's not a, it's not a, what was it called? A hook? It wasn't a I hook. called it a hook. It wasn't a hook. Look, it, it was a bad call. But at the same time, he got him in the hands, like, right away. That was the initial point of contact. So, okay, but, so they did the same thing to Barkov, and they didn't call it. I thought he went through the stick that time. I thought he went through the stick that time. So, in the playoffs, that penalty, or, or, not, or non-call, right, probably shouldn't be called i think i so i saw you guys going back and forth and the picture that tj posted that that i don't think should be called in the playoffs however if you're going to call some of the things they were calling you got to call that too because the phantom the phantom trip on bob the i mean there have been so many ticky tack calls and then missing obvious ones forget the Bennett one, other obvious ones, the Ovechkin cross checks from last game. I mean, there have been so many atrocious missed calls. If you're going to call all of it, call all of it. If you're going to call none of it, call none of it. My biggest complaint about this is how unbelievably inconsistent it has been period to period, not even game to game. Yeah. I mean, if we want to be, you know, fair, I would say the the first power, Panthers power play, the, the where Verhage went down, I didn't see that as much of anything. I thought that was a soft call. And then the last Panthers power play, Hornquist gets high sticked seconds after he high sticked someone or someone someone on the like. I can I can you know I'm gonna try and be unbiased and say hey the Panthers got some breaks their way too, but when one team gets a five on an extended five on three on two, one ticky-tack call, one bullshit call, and then you get a goal off what should have been a five in a game? Like, there, you don't get to say a damn fucking word about the Panthers' power plays. You don't. Like, it's not even both ways. Would you have had a problem with that if it was called on Ekblad 
the tripping call on Bob? Yes, because there was not enough contact. I think I, I that's where I am. Like, look, there, there's the tier that the holding the stick call was in where it's just like a blatant, egregious miss. And if you have review, which what I'm proposing would only be allowed on goals, so that wouldn't even have been reviewable. But if that had led to a goal, you know, for example, in, in some circumstance, it, it gets called back like egregious. That is not in the egregious tier for me. But at the same time, if I'm refereeing the game and that's like, you know, a Flyers player does that to an Islanders player, I'm not calling it, you know? Here's, here's exactly talking Ian's tongue, the inconsistency. And I know it's not fair to compare game to game considering it's, it's different officials, but there was a, a play in game two where the Panthers were on a power play, similar situation. There was like 50 seconds left in the power play. Puck's at the half wall. Giroux's got a clear beat on the puck and the Caps defenseman clearly slashes Giroux in the back of the, uh, the leg. Giroux wobbles. Caps are able to get to the puck and send it down the ice. Was it a big deal? Not really at all. The advantage was the Caps got a clear, but like that's a penalty. If you slash someone in the back of the leg and they lose their balance and you get to the puck, that's a penalty. It wasn't called because the refs didn't want to give the Panthers an extended five on three. And then tonight you get that? Like, go fuck yourself, NHL. Was this Carter Brahegi's best game of the, of the series? Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. He was I think so. Yeah. And love- meanwhile, meanwhile, Anthony Duclair had like less than nine and a half minutes of playing time. Yeah, Duclair has not had a good playoffs. Even on the power play, like he had a slap shot today where he missed it and it's so bad it cleared the zone. And like that's cardinal rule number one is if you're going to take a slap shot from the half, the half wall on the power play, you must hit the net because it's free clear when you miss. And yeah. Duclair broke that rule like twice tonight. I'm, I'm really not surprised that Duclair is going to be riding the bench in a really tight playoff game. Like he, he's, he's a great player, but just – not good defensively, like not as good defensively as other players you could put out there. For example, Carter Verhage, awesome game, making $1 million this year, by the way, $1 million. The thing with Duclair, and it's the same thing with Frank Vetrano, is he's streaky. When Duclair is on, you don't care about his defensive lapses because he is so lethal offensively with his speed. But when the pucks aren't going in, he's just a guy who's a defensive liability. He is a better he is a much better Frank Vetrano, in my opinion. But the problem is, when he goes cold, he you cannot put him on the ice in pressure situations because he has no value. He has negative value because there's no offense and he's a defensive liability. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he gets like a breakaway, you know, at some point in like a third period late game, especially like a one-goal lead. That's a situation where – players on the other team start pinching, you know, the defenseman in particular, you get Duclair streaking out of the zone. Maybe you can turn that one goal lead into a two goal lead. That That's a situation where I could see him being used in tight playoff games, but otherwise, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate for him because, you know, he does have obvious skills and, you know, what are you going to do? This is a stacked team. I think they may have finally figured out the D pairings though. I mean, that in terms of, in terms of back end, now I didn't get to watch the first period full on a full screen. I was, uh, I'm taking a master's class, so I was sort of glancing on my phone every few minutes. But from what I saw in the second and the third, it looked like they finally figured out some D pairings that uh, covering up deficiencies of each guys, of each of these guys. We got to do it. Ben Sherratt, excellent game. Yeah. There, there were a couple of situations where I, I, I thought he made some really bad decisions, but overall he was very good. This is in terms of what your potential is for a best overall defense. This is, these are the pairings. It's Sherratt and Ekblad. So you can get the weaker Borsling pair back together. And then Montour Gudis, like that's your, in terms of potential, if everything goes right, this is what your best lineup is because you split Uyghur and Ekblad up and you essentially have, 45 plus minutes of five on five where you have the best defenseman on the ice. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously this is all contingent on one week. You're getting his head back on straight, which looks seemed like he did tonight. He played a much simpler game. Much. And Ben Sherratt not doing Ben Sherratt things. 
but yeah, like these, these are the best pairings for the Panthers if they want to make a cup run in terms of it's all got to be working. Though. I think part of Uyghur having a simpler game is him not playing with Aaron Eckblad. When, when, you, when he's not, I mean, look, Mackenzie Uyghur is a, is a great NHL defenseman. He was going to be paid to be a D1. If the Panthers didn't, didn't you know, find a way to pay him and keep him, he was someone else who was going to grab him you know, when, this whole contract, when his whole contract was going on. He's not the same level as Aaron Eckblad. No. Can they be a good deep pairing together? Yes. When they are together, however, Uyghur tries to do the things that Aaron Eckblad can do. And Aaron Eckblad has some of the best hands on the team, forward or defense, period. Uyghur just can't do those things. And sometimes it feels like he, it, it, it's sort of, it's almost like, you remember when early, early season Mason Marchment, when like the discussion that I had with you guys, you guys mentioned it of like, it was like, it was a, a really, really good hockey player stuck in the body of a slightly less good hockey player. It's yes. almost like Uyghur's brain thinks he can do a little bit more than he physically should do in a play. And it just doesn't work. I think I like him that. being with Forsling, he's not doing the extra thing. He's not doing the extra move. He's not stepping up when he shouldn't be stepping up. He's, you know, taking a step back on defense first. Yeah, I, I like that thought process. I mean, perfect example of that, the difference between Uyghur and Ekblad tonight is there was a loose puck around center ice and uh, Ekblad has you know, is, is on his back foot because he was already skating backwards and he had to come up for the puck and always coming for the puck with a full steam, like, you know, a full rate of steam, which, you know, at this age is not the fastest, but in terms of, you know, slow guy coming for the puck and a faster guy coming for the puck, the faster guy has a huge advantage and Ekblad won the puck clean. Like that's the things that Ekblad can do with his stick that, that Uyghur isn't as good at. And, you know, I think you kind of nailed it perfectly. We are still an excellent hockey player, but his mind thinks his body can do a little bit more than he really can. And, you know, remember, Weger was a seventh round pick. His physical talents aren't, you know, up to what you would expect out of a top pairing defenseman. He's still a top pairing defenseman. His physical talent is just not what you would expect from a top pairing defenseman. Yeah, I, th- I mean, he, he's excellent. I, I, this is not a slight on Mackenzie Weger right? As a defenseman, this is a, he's not Aaron Eckblad and he shouldn't try to play like Aaron Eckblad. And when he is trying to play like Aaron Eckblad, he's not going to, that's not his, his game is similar, just a step below. And that's what it needs to be. And he can't be trying to do the extra thing. This was a much better game for Mackenzie Weger. This is the defensive lineup that they need to be rolling with at least into the next game. I don't want to be sure I can keep his play up. Yeah. I don't want to be the guy that's like, you want one guy that's offense and one guy that's defense, you know, like that kind of philosophy as far as putting defensive pairs together. But I, I just think Forsling and Uyghur works. I don't know if I could explain to you perfectly why. Uh, one of the reasons is definitely that Forsling's got all the foot speed in the world and Uyghur is obviously weakest there. So that's something that he can make up for, for Uyghur. And you know, I just think it works. I just like it's also it. Ekblad's weak. It's also Ekblad's weakness and that pair is – weaknesses if you can match if you can beat them to the outside you're going to get scoring chances and that's especially with the way the Panthers play defense with a puck side attack defense like you need speed when you have two slower guys and you and you're trying to cut the ice in half if you can get a puck wide you're going to beat them I know I just repeated myself but like when you watch the Panthers play defense on the on their opponents on the rush they try to force you know D the, the D closest to the puck tries to keep the puck wide and the D further away from the puck, instead of staying on the left side of the ice, let's say the puck's coming up the right side. Instead of staying on the left side, he shifts over, and they come and they attack. Basically, try to make it in a one-on-two. So when there's when you don't have speed on the outside, and you can get beat, it causes problems. So when you split up Weger and Ekblad, and you have Forsling out there, it really helps. Do you guys want to talk about the power play now? Yeah, we should spend some time on there. Oof. I mean, it was better. But, uh, was, look, they had they had a lot of opportunities, still didn't score, but it was definitely better. The five forward power play has been the best at generating chances. To me, that's not really debatable. Well, the they had some might be, unfortunately, mathematically the best at generating chances. But there's probably other reasons for that besides quality. If they have another game, look, Samsonov is having a good. He was excellent. He was excellent. He's playing great. I mean, 
if they have another game on the power play, like they had this game, they will score. What is it? 13 or 14? Did they get a, did they have a 14th or was it? 13? I think they're 0 for 13. 0 for they 13. Four, four today. And then I think three. Not yet. Yeah, they were 0 for nine coming in at four today. I mean, yeah. look, that's, that's pretty glaring. The caps penalty kill is good. It's not tops in the league. It's better than average. It's not this good. And the Panthers power play is better than this. And they looked a lot better tonight. They, it, again, if they, if they do this again in the next, you know, game or two, they, they will get a goal. They will get a power play goal. It will come. The, I, I didn't understand. I know that Aaron Eckblad is supposedly your, your, you know, power play one quarterback. And he was before he came back, but they finally figured out that five forward power play. I didn't understand. Yeah. I didn't either. Why they forced it in the first place. I understand wanting to get Ekblad back out there. Cause he's, you know, arguably your top three player, a top three player on your team, but like it was working. Why, why change it? I think that's the inexperience from Bruno where you're told like, I mean, there was a time when having four forwards on the power play was an absurd thing. Like you go back to the ninth, the nineties, like three forwards, two defensemen, like that's how you ran a power play going four forwards on the power play. That was, you know, it's now accepted, but that was a wild thing. Like to be the only team in the NHL running a five forward power play and you're, you know, an interim head coach, a guy who really no one expected to have this job when the season started, like that's a lot of pressure to be doing something that's different. And my thought process was, it was a little bit of like, Hey, I'm expected to have a defense back there. I've got Ekblad who's a serviceable power play quarterback. I'm well-documented that I think he's better on the half wall rather than at, at the QB spot. But like, that's, I think Brunette just saying like, Hey, I'm supposed to have a defenseman out there. Ekblad's good enough. Let's, let's go back to that. And that way, you know, if I give up a shorthand and go with the five forward power play, no one's looking at me. Like, I think that was a little bit of, you know, rookie, rookie head coach, you know, imposter syndrome move. Like I agree with you, Ian. They, they never should have started the, the series with, uh, with the, with that by back on PV one, like, Go with what was working. The five, the five man unit, the five forward unit was lethal to finish the season. Mm-hmm. I think is it is it fair to say the penalty kill has also not been good? I'm gonna have to dig into like some reasons I might think that is, but it just looks underwhelming. Maybe I'm alone on this. I mean, it's been fine. Like it, it's not like it's not giving up goals like like a sieve like it was in the Tampa series last year. Yeah, like like they're a bit below their average, but like that's kind. Of, like special teams become so important in the playoffs because you're playing the best of the best. Like you're not going up against the Arizona power play to, to prop up your numbers. You're going up against a team with that trots out Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, John Carlson, and TJ Oshie on their power play. Like those are five excellent players. Before I forget, I want to say that Kuznetsov had an awesome game. Like I think his goal obviously shouldn't have counted. And I think that even Montour was probably affected by seeing the bed hit in front of him. Like if that doesn't happen, the goal probably doesn't happen. If his view, if his view was blocked, that probably doesn't happen, but it was still a nice move. He had this like centering pass, like on his butt or on his like hands on the ice. Yeah. On from the corner. He was really good. Yeah, that was, no, he had a great game. Um, and I agree that his, his, uh, obviously his goal shouldn't kind of be, yeah, no, he had a great game. Um, he said a, pretty good series but this was i think probably his most dangerous game the penalty kill has been i kind of think this is what i expected of the caps power play and the panthers penalty kill i don't think the panthers have been particularly bad i don't think the caps have been particularly better than i expected I mean, they're very good at the power play let's be clear they have some of the best shooters in, in the league but there was, I mean, the Ovechkin was, was Ovechkin's goal last game. Was that on a power play? Yes. Yes. That there, was a, there was a TJ Oshie goal on the power play as well. That the still of, of Ovechkin winding up for the slap shot and all four Panthers forwards are on the opposite side of, of the, of the ice. Uh, that wasn't great. Um, no. But other than that, I haven't seen them grossly, collapsing or out of position i'd like to see them maybe a little be a little bit more aggressive but i mean they have 
they have such good shooters. If you're overly aggressive, they're going to get it to a guy who's going to have an open shot. So I haven't been too upset about it, but yeah, it's the other way around that I've been surprised about Panthers power play caps penalty kill. I mean, let's spend another few seconds here. I mean, the caps have what five power play goals so far in the series, or is it four? Did they score one? It's not uh, that important. Wilson two by Oshi. Their first goal tonight was Oshi. Yeah. Wilson, two by Oshi, Ovechkin. Four, and the Baxter like. one. And the Backstrom one. Five. Yeah, so, you're right. Like the Backstrom one was a bad angle shot that Bob should have stopped. Osh, both of Oshi's goals were unintentional deflections. Like one of them I think went the off first his... one was intentional. No, the first one went off his leg. In game three? I think so. I'm almost positive the first one went off his leg. I'll look at the replay. I thought it went off his tonight's, leg. Tonight's was unintentional. Definitely unintentional. Right. Tonight's was unintentional intentional i don't know i think the i don't know if he intentionally put his leg out if it hit his leg but i think his positioning was more intentional on the first one this one was just it bounced off of him yeah the, but that's what i'm saying is like it, he, his positioning was good but it just kind of bounced off of him and it's like it went to the back of the net and it's like okay so you, you got two one two unintentional bounces and the backstrom goal like three of the five power play goals were like you're just getting puck luck and then obviously like you know, the Wilson, the Wilson one, that's a great goal. You know, you say you got the Panthers moving around, got a rebound, cashed in, Ovi from his office, like, right. But three of the five, like you got puck luck and the Panthers have gotten no puck luck on their power plays. None, like not even close. Like, Oh, Hey, you know, we got a good shot and it hit the crossbar and was behind the, you know, in the blue paint or whatever. Like they're not even really getting goalied on their power play. Like Samson has made some good saves, but like, they're just missing nets and not connecting passes. It's having trouble with zone entries. Like they know, have loop. missed, they have missed the net too many times, too they, many times. And they're always losing the opening face off of the power play. Like every single power play starts with drew getting thrown out of the circle and then Reinhardt losing the draw and, and the caps getting a clear. What, what podcast am I on? Isn't this the point to point podcast where faceoffs don't matter? No, no, no. Face-offs are overvalued. <laughs> and face oh, sorry. This is Panther Perry now. Fan, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Face-offs are overrated and face-off only specialists I know, I know, ha- I know, are, I know. have no value. No, face-offs are just important, kidding. just not nearly as important as people want, where guys who absolutely suck at everything hockey-related other than face-offs have roster spots and people thinking like, oh, you need a Glenn Denning on your roster for those late-game face-offs. It's like, nah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be nice if Drew won more of those draws because he is uh, supposed to be. He's not in the circle for him. He keeps he's, getting thrown he's, out. He's in the circle for some. Yeah, of them. what is going on? Yeah, the, the the look. I don't want to spend any time on that because it's just so boring to talk about. But yeah, it's BS. <laughs> it's BS. Oh my god. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. I've never seen a team get thrown out of a. Uh, it's, I, it's, we don't have to talk about it. I'm Alex, sorry, but like, can, I've you, never seen it before. You probably remember last year Heat box game one. Jimmy Butler's going up to the referee when Giannis is shooting free throws. Yes. And he's like, Hey, he's taking seconds. more than 10 seconds. It's the rule. There's, there's no doubt the caps are doing something like that. They're going up to the ref and they're saying, Hey, like Giroux's got to stick in whatever X position and it's illegal. Like it's one of those, it's probably one of those things. I can't tell you for sure. Like that's my guess. Yeah, no, for sure. That was going into the series caps, put a book together, put it in front of the ref. Cause the teams meet with officials before games and they'll say like, coaches will say like, Hey, look for this. And a hundred percent, that's a point of uh, a point of certainty or whatever point of emphasis yes. for the caps. It's like, Hey, look for this on face-offs. Don't let him get away with it. And the refs are listening. That's my only explanation. I mean, refs are given e- caps, every other little 50, 50 advantage they can find might as well give them the face-off advantage too. Cause like, come the fuck on at this point, but I don't, I'll, I'll talk more about the rest, but we need to move off the topic. One thing I did want to mention the, I mean, in terms of a dominant performance, and yeah, it was slow at times from the Panthers, like the, the XG differential, if you remove the, the empty netter that missed the net, it was 3.4 to 1.5. And that's with the Caps getting an extended five on three. Like the Panthers dominated this game. The only reason it was close is because of that bullshit call, no call, and, you know, like whatever. Like, it's just kind of frustrating at this point. And, like, and now we are where we should be. You know, Capitals deserve to win two games. Panthers deserve to win two games. But 
again, I am not going to say that this is a prediction, but if we see another three or two performances like game four from the Panthers, they will win the series. No yeah. doubt. Samsonov is not going to continue to play like this. And, you know, and now he's going to continue to play like this now that I said that, but I mean, there's no reason to expect that other than being a traumatized Panthers fan who's witnessed pretty much everything that can go wrong, go wrong. I thought that Bennett, you know, uh, Kuznetsov goal was a new low for the franchise. Of course, the hockey gods pulled it out for us. So thank you very much for that. I mean, who knows if that, if that win ha happens, if they don't, you know, go six on five Reinhardt scores, you know what I mean? Like I, I definitely yeah. don't wish Bennett got hit in the head, but it's almost sort of a good thing that that happened. Did he get I, back on the ice after that? Yeah, yeah I'm pretty he sure he played. Okay. No, he, I mean, I know he, he was covered in blood, but he, I think he did miss a shift only because he was, yeah, his entire Jersey was his entire front of his Jersey was bloody. I missed that. I did not see that. Yeah, They, at they all. showed a tight shot. Were you watching the Bally? Uh, uh, no, I had the, the, the TBS one because Bally has just been so. So you, so you mean you were watching the caps one? Um, yeah, the, it's pretty bad. <laughs> It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, on Bally, they did a tight shot of Bennett, and he had blood all over the front of his jersey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, best of luck to him. Hopefully, he's not concussed or anything like that. Uh, need him in this series, even though he, I, I don't think he's had a particularly good series. And I was ready to say, like, look, he's, you know, once again, skating into a blind alley. But, you know, there were extenuating circumstances in that, in that uh, particular situation. Do want to mention before I forget, tomorrow's my birthday. So thank you very much for the early gift, Panthers. Happy birthday. Thank you. How old uh, are you turning? I'm turning 29. You're a young uh, pup. Yeah, closing in. <laughs> closing in. I already feel washed. You know, <laughs> gotta gotta moisturize, gotta exfoliate. Sunscreen for sure. Pro tip for everybody listening: sunscreen all the time. <laughs> even if it's raining, even if it's cloudy, sunscreen. The UV rays are still there. And this has been Sunscreen Parade. Going back to the series, you know, if I am to nitpick, find more negatives that aren't just special teams, like I didn't like the way the overtime started. It really no. seemed like there was only one team going for it in the overtime. The Panthers looked tired. And, you know, frankly, they scored on what was like their first or second chance of overtime. And, you know, thank God they did. And I'm not going to say they didn't deserve to win the game, but like, if that's the way that game five goes, on the other hand, it's going to be very problematic. And I mean, I think there's a lot of people now feeling really comfortable. Oh, the Panthers finally showed up. They're the better team. They've got home ice. This is going to be a breeze. And I couldn't disagree more. Like this no. is a, this is a war. It's clear. This is a <clears throat> war. And the Panthers have won the most recent battle and they can take that back to their home base. And Game five is just going to be another battle. Like, sure, they might have an emotional advantage. Again, they're the better team. Every reason they should win game five, game six, potential game seven. But this series has gone in a different way than we all expected. I continue it to, I expect it to continue to be a war. I am not a person that believes in you need a bunch of guys with a lot of experience, mm -hmm. but it does do something. Mm -hmm. There is something to be said for not only players, but a coach. And I'm not taking a shot at Bruno. He's done a great job with what he's got, with what he's got. He's got a great team. He's done a great job, especially in the, in the uh, regular season. He's never done this before. There's something to be said. The Capitals have been ready for everything the Panthers do. The Panthers game all season long has has been skate the puck over the blue line and possess the puck inside the offensive zone for the rest of the game. They've been very aggressive at the blue line. The Panthers have had to dump and chase for significant portions of both games they lost and portions of this game too. Excuse me. And the Panthers were totally thrown off by it and they weren't able to adjust. There's something to be said for I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. The, the Panthers have had happy feet for a ton of this series 100%. where their legs look like they're moving a million miles an hour. Uh, it's like in, in, in Harry Potter where they do like he has loses complete control. Jelly of his legs. Legs. Yes, exactly. Jelly legs curse. Um, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. There, there's the caps, been a... the caps haven't had any of that. They haven't had any of that. They've been on their game plan 
the entire time. Now, a game like tonight and a game like game two, where the Panthers just showed they were the better team, it didn't matter that the Caps were on their game plan. But the reason, I mean, we all we all expected this to be not a cakewalk, but we expected this team this to be the Panthers are the much better team. The Panthers are going to get through this in five six. They could still get through it in six, but it uh, it would be it's going to be tough. The downside for the Caps playing the way they play is nights like tonight, where even though you had the lead early and then had a lead again, because you're playing a one-three-one trap, you don't have the puck much. And you know, if you can get a four-check going, you get a lot of possession. I mean, you don't have a 32 to 16 shot advantage by accident. And most of those cap shots, let's find out how many of those cap shots, most of those cap shots were on the power play. Yeah, the caps had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, so hold on. Yeah, okay. I think they so had more, ten shots at five on five in okay, this game. Ten shots at five, which is more than I thought. But still, ten five on five shots. Panthers like, had twenty. You're gonna lose more often than not when you do not generate anything at five on five, unless your opponent makes mistakes, like you saw, icing or not. We made a mistake in game one, and the Caps capitalized tonight. The Panthers played pretty much perfect hockey. You cannot prevent a goal that should be a five-minute major power play. Like, you can't blame anyone but the officials for that goal. And then the other one was a power play goal where, in my opinion, the Panthers should have been on the power play after the Barkov miss, but people disagree with me. That's fine. But either way, you gave up a fluky power play goal tonight and a goal that should have been blown dead immediately at Oshie ejected from the game. Like, you can't play better than that as the Panthers. And that's where, you know, Washington is going to struggle is they want to play low event hockey and hope the, ver- the hockey gods smile on them in game in game one, it did. And in game three, it did games two and four. They did not, it, you know, we'll see what happens in game five. And, and just want to reiterate that it, it was a dirty play, but he didn't intend to make it that ugly. Like he didn't intend she- to hit him in the head. No. Like I said, he, no. he intended it to hit him up high, which is not, you know, something that I can really oblige. But at the same time, that was not an outcome that he wanted. And look, oh, she's it, not a dirty player. You get he caught didn't... up in the game. Like, uh, sure. I'm, I'm sure that right now he's feeling bad about the loss, but also feeling bad about what he did to Bennett. Yeah, I can't think of another questionable hit in Oshie's career. I'm sure there is one. But Oshi is, you know, he's a skilled player who, you know, he turns up the intensity in the playoffs like everyone else. But, like, that was not an intent to hit Bennett in the head. However, he did. And part of that was because Bennett lost the puck and changed the angle. However, Oshi was always coming from the blind side. Even if he had just hit, like, it should have been a two-minute minor for a blind side hit regardless. Or a hit to the head. That's the rule book. No, no, but saying, before, yeah. no, before you get to the head contact, you cannot hit someone from the blind side anymore. That's how, that's how, you know, David Booth loses his career. That, that hit is outlawed. You cannot blindside check anyone anymore. And in the playoffs, yeah, that's probably not going to get called if there's no head contact, but by the letter of the rule, that's a two minute minor head contact is an automatic two minute minor. A blindside head check is an obvious five minute major. And I mean, leaving your feet has always been the rule. Forget the new yeah. rule. He, he left his feet in the mid. I mean, it's not even like it was, he made it, they collided on the boards and like the, you know, the, the momentum carried him off the ice. It was mid center ice. Um, did you guys see the full Bruno quote about when he pulled Bob? No. So Tim Reynolds just tweeted it out. So he said, um, I was going to, I was going to talk about pulling him. I was going to do it a little earlier, but thank God I did it. You know, it's one of those things you flip a coin, they get an icing. You can get our group out there. I feel a lot of trust in them that they'll make something happen. They've done it all year. They continue to do it tonight. And then he said, Bob was great. It's hard. It's so hard sometimes with the noise, but he's in tune with when we want to go. Yeah. He made a really big save and I was about to pull him. I don't know anything. You take a chance and it worked out. Yeah. I mean, it, like the flip a coin <laughs> thing, the John Carlson game or uh, empty net goal in game three was, a, had a way higher degree of difficulty than the one that, that hit the post and just missed and would have made it a 3-1 series had it gone in. And, you know, if those had happened in opposite games, you know, we're talking about a totally different series, and that's just the luck of the draw. 
at the same time, the Panthers got a bunch of lucky bounces in game two. If they had got some of them in game one or three, we're probably talking about a different series also. I mean, I think it is all pretty much evened out except for the officiating, which maybe it will. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that it was goalie interference because it wasn't. My my interpretation of the rule is is that you have to gain an advantage. And before you even look at the contact and who caused it, there was no advantage gained by Huberto pushing him to the wrong or to the right side even. Hubie didn't make contact with him. The Caps player took took his stick out. I don't know who was that that Hubie was in you know engaged with, but that's the person who took his stick out. And also, Samsonov sliding to his right, the shot goes to his left. Right. Yeah, and, and I mean, if he slid the other way, he's not. All Hubie is doing is stopping him from sliding to the wrong side. So there you go. Clearly, yeah. no advantage gained. I mean, I don't think anyone but the most Homer of Capitals fans are arguing that play. I mean, hell, there were Caps fans who wanted a penalty on Barkov for accidentally hitting Carlson with the with the puck. Like, that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. But yeah, like 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 you said, Ian, you had Samsonov sliding away from where the shot was. He wasn't prevented from moving back, and there wasn't any contact. And and the other thing that's been a lot different than the goals you've seen waved off during these playoffs is that. Huber was making an attempt to stay out of the crease. He was stopping and holding up and was forced into the crease. The difference between that and the very controversial goal that was taken away in the Rangers game one is that the Rangers forward made no attempt to stop, even though he was engaged with a Pittsburgh defenseman. That's a key difference. Like Huber was trying to stop and stay out of the crease and was pushed into it or dragged in however you want to look at it. Like if they would have overturned that goal, like you would have just known that like the, it honestly felt like the fix was in anyway, when you've got caps bloggers saying the Panthers are getting screwed. And that was before the, the Oshi hit, like if the fix would have been in, if that goal had been overturned and this game is still going. Yep. But I'm glad it happened. Thank you. Hockey gods, because uh, they, they had to intervene. And as I said, after Reinhardt scored, the puck does not. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, brunette, not not to the surprise of anyone, especially after a win with the very diplomatic. I didn't like it. I thought it was a hit to the head response when asked about it. I know he's <sighs> an interim head coach, but I would have liked to have seen a stronger response, considering that's now three goals this series. The Caps have gotten off of missed calls. Um, yeah, I would I like to have seen a stronger response, but I get it. I don't know what they showed on the TV, on the other broadcast, on the Bally broadcast. After that goal, they showed, they showed a tight shot of him. He was, he was pissed and he was giving it to the refs and they actually had to cut away because you could read the curse words coming out of his mouth. He's extremely filtered in press conferences. Like Bruno is as you're supposed to be fluent in coach speak, like to a degree that I don't remember anybody ever being in Panthers history. Like, you know, maybe Barkov is sort of that way with the player speak, but you know, it's, it's, it's wow. It's, he's never off script. It's amazing. He's an interim coach with zero cachet in the NHL. It's not surprising. Other than being a guy that played a thousand games, you know? Right. But that, that, that means nothing when you're a head coach, unless you are a legend of the game, it means nothing when you're the head coach. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those guys know you and they respect your playing career, but other than that, you're right. Yeah. But like Bruno says something, the narrative is, oh, look at the Panthers whining and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it, it doesn't carry the weight like if it, you know, a bit of Barry Trotz, who shockingly was fired today, or even a Joel Quenville. Like, Joel Quenville says, hey, refs are, you know, fucking up. Like, the, the talking heads aren't immediately lambasting him as if they would if it was, you know, Bruno saying it. I saw a pretty universal acceptance that it was the, a bad call, the wrong call that got screwed. So, and I mean, there was nothing like that on the icing. There was nothing like that on the holding the stick. This one was noticed by the national media in pretty, you know, unanimous. Finally. Yeah. Well, both of them. Even, I mean, even Wyshynski saw that said the the Bobrovsky tripping call was horrid. And you like, know, I, I just realized why. It's because that Penguins Rangers game was so awful. Because the Penguins yeah. ran away. They with had it. to watch. They had to watch. Second I mean, period. Yeah. I mean, that this was a way more compelling game. Like if I was yeah. a neutral watching that game, I would have said like a hundred for intensity and for like uh, tension, 
hundred for sure. I actually stopped paying attention. I don't even know what that game ended. The score. I don't even know the score. Seven, was seven to two. Seven to two. So there was only one goal scored after the third, right? I honestly was, didn't. I think it was six two after the third. Yeah. So probably. Yeah. I had the such, second. I meant. I had such nerves going into this game tonight that I didn't even. I didn't even flip the channel. Like. Not nah, me neither. I kid you not. After the Bennett, sometime between the 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 Bennett hit when Bennett got hit and when they scored to tie it up, my Apple Watch told me my heart rate at 119 beats per minute. And I was sitting on a couch. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know when I was the uh, most nervous? It doesn't really make sense. But the second period, I was definitely the most tense for sure. Oh, yeah. Because se- the- they dominated that period. Right. But that second period had full on like, hey, Panthers are dominant. They're going to give up a fluky goal and be down to one to end this period vibes. They're gonna, give up, they're gonna give up. Uh, they're gonna give up. They're gonna give up an uh, an odd man rush going the other way after three minutes of offensive zone time. Yeah, that was yeah. you know exactly what Panthers, happened. The most Panthers goal they could ever give up. And then it, I mean, it did end up happening. It just happened midway through the third instead of the second when the game was just kind of even and not much going on. But like, yeah, like that's like when we talk about Panthers panthering, like even though they didn't do it much in the regular season, that you know that thing is still there. And like you saw it in, with Uyghur in game one and, you know, they, through no fault of the Panthers own, it happened again tonight, but like, you know, it's just like full control, full control, give, make a mistake, give up a chance, goal the other way. It's like, really for 20 years, you've been doing this Panthers. Like even when you're bad, like you'll, you'll dominate teams for 20 minutes and then lose the period to nothing <laughs> off two odd man rushes. It's like fucking Christ. Is there any other topic? Cause we've gone like at least 45 minutes. Is there any other topic that we want to make sure we hit? Cause like people will have patience for this. That was the, like this versus game three. What's the most like memorable Panthers game of the 20th century or 21st century. I mean, game one last year against Tampa, even though it was an L. Yeah. I'll, I'll say um, wins only because people kind of want to forget the L's intrinsic intrinsically in terms of Panthers history in, well, no, in the Panthers. 21st century. Yeah, post two thousand, oh, you can't you can't uh, include. Oh, I mean, I was gonna say like the only I mean, the only answer the only answer is the Lindsay is the Lindsay goal. I mean, yeah, the, but the, the, that, yeah, but no, okay, so twenty uh, first century. I mean, it's I mean that. the over game three overtime winner was pretty sweet last year against Tampa. The three uh, zero like, comeback against uh, uh, New Jersey. Yeah, with, I mean that was sort Clemenson. of different though because we all knew that team was like not that good no but i mean in terms of but like in terms of memorable i mean coming back down yeah i guess you know, in the playoffs against martin brodeur even though it's older martin brodeur like that's pretty memorable but yeah like this is the most memorable game in the last 20 so years in terms of the, what a game the panthers actually won mm-hmm. yeah i said the yeah. most important win in the 21st century of course it will be totally meaningless if they don't add on two more wins in the last three games and win the series. Definitely don't <coughs> they want need that to win. To, they yeah. need to win game five. They need yeah. to win game five. Yeah, yeah. You can't go. You can't go down three two to to Washington. It, like right. it will be worse going there down three two because you lost game five than it would have been going there down three two because you lost game four for sure. Yeah. Yes. You, yeah, you you need to you can you have to take the upper hand in this series at some point. And obviously game five is the only time to do it because if you lose game five, you have to win game six and game seven, and you literally never had the upper hand. But like you're the one seed, you're the president's trophy winner. The caps have clearly shown themselves to be a much worthier adversary than anybody. I don't even think Jack Hand predicted this. No, like could have predicted this. Like, like they caps have been proven to be a much worthier adversary than anyone thought, but like you cannot lose game five at home. You just can't. And I'm not saying the series is over if you do, but like, if not game five, when are you going to wake up and take and take a stranglehold on the series and say, no, we're the president's trophy winners. Fuck your trap. We're winning the game. Play your game. I mean, just do what you did in this game. Don't freak out. Don't force something up the ice. Don't like try to dangle Ovechkin and give away a breakaway. Just play your game. It's, it's just like Jack Hans said. The, the Capitals will win if they can capitalize on your egregious mistakes. And if you don't do that, you'll probably win. Like the Capitals could dominate the game again. I wouldn't necessarily be shocked, but I'm, I'm expecting it to be pretty even in the Panthers favor. So all they got to do is just not give away anything egregious and they'll probably win like three to two or four to three. 
maybe they get goalied, but like that's the way I see it going most likely. I will be my fiance graduates law school on Wednesday. So I will be from graduation to graduation dinner. So so have fun watching on your phone. I'll be well, I believe there will be TVs at dinner. So but wait, 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 hold on. Your girlfriend's not going to know that you're watching the game on your phone while she's having her ceremony. You literally need to pay attention for four Well, the graduation's going to be during the day, for sure. Bingo. Okay. Graduations, graduations early. Dinner, dinner is going to be dead smack on the time. Got it. So, but but, but uh, as, as much as Panthers mean so much in my life, sometimes there are things that must come first. So... Yeah, that happened to me on Saturday. It was my wife's birthday. So, I mean, I watched the game because it was early. It was a one o'clock. But, like, if it had been a night game, like, you went to dinner and movie, I would not have been able to watch. And that's why we didn't have a post-game recap because I was doing dinner and, you know, spending time with her instead of, you know, some point you got you got to be an adult and take care of your, uh, your, your loved ones. Yes. By the way, just uh, one thing to keep an eye on, just kind of like fan stuff, sort of like we were talking about the potential playoff opponents. If Calgary wins today, I would guess that the NHL is going to put game six at seven o'clock. And if Dallas wins, I think we're going to not know for a little while in, in terms of Friday. Yeah. I mean, um, we'll deal with that after game five. Yeah. Game five last, is last 730 on, on Wednesday, by the way. Last thoughts, everybody. Well, hang on really quick. Would you guys see Barry Jackson tweeted out that if the Heat and Panthers both go game seven, it's very possible they play on the same day. They both play. Well, they will both play on the same day if they go game seven. What, what is it? Sunday? But it is, a, it is a Sunday. So the NBA will probably put that during the day. Early. Yeah. Panthers were at one o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, but I mean, the NHL doesn't like to do that with game sevens unless they're always going to stack it. And they'll, they'll probably collaborate with the NBA on this. Because I mean, I don't think it's an accident that they've swapped the days out up until this point. I don't think so. That would be a really shitty thing to have two game sevens on one day. Like, throw us a fucking bone here. Yeah, come on. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before this turns into heat parade, which, like, goddamn, they got to make a fucking three-pointer. Like, it, it is ridiculous. Five for 30. Unbelievable. Five Unbelievable. for 30. Oof. Yeah. Not worried, though. Not worried. And we're going to wrap up after that comment. You guys want to uh, get in any parting notes, any final thoughts? Fuck you, NHL refs. Like, do fucking better. When that 5K fine comes out tomorrow, I'm just going to be I'm going to be upset all over again. Shout out to Carter Verhage's huge pair. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.